Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to episode number 262 of Artificial Turf Wars. No fancy tagline because this is our 26 in 52 episode. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by the ever-knowledgeable Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. And you? Uh, I liked it better when this had a ring to it when it was 25 and 50, but we are... I know. It just sounds stupid now. <laughs> it's stupid. How dare you, MLB? <laughs> Never had another roster spot. Of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. What are you? What are you thinking? What are, did we not? Did you not get the letter we sent you? The angrily penned, dear Mister Manfred. Um, so yes, twenty six roster spots, two minutes dedicated to each. We're going to tell you uh, something, hopefully useful, about your twenty twenty three Toronto Blue Jays, um, and we shall. In two minute bites, do such a thing. I'm going to start right now with Alec Manoa. For all of you who thinks he's uh, still say Alex. No, it's Alec with a K. He is 25 years old. Bats and throws right six foot six inches tall and 285 pounds, which is a surprisingly honest assessment based on the way he looks. He's a big boy. Yeah. Uh, Alec had a fantastic season last year. Uh, only only exceeded by his September. Um, finished up the year uh, with a 2.24 ERA. Finished near the top of the Cy Young voting, which, I mean, obviously he... he uh, you, you can't be Justin Verlander every year. Um, but beyond that, I think he is... Is he co-ace of this team before we talk about the second guy? That's what I'm wondering. What do you think? I, I think that's a very proper assessment of what the Jays pitching situation is as good as Alec Manoa is Kevin Gossman's right there with him and, and, and Manoa as we said in our last episode he was the game one starter he was going to be the number one homer going guy who had the best ERA in the in the team last year but they're both of equal quality but but that says a lot because Kevin Gossman just got 110 million dollars <laughs> and Kevin Goss and Alec Manoa had what was it nine main minor league starts I mean he was he, he's just absolutely tremendous and the, his rise has been amazing to watch yeah he has wasted no time going from unknown to absolutely fantastic even though he does not do it in the way that a lot of modern pitchers do by striking out absolutely everyone um he does manage to keep the uh, runners off the bases so to speak his uh his whip last year was 0.99 anything below one is wonderful yeah, he, he just generates weak contact. He, I mean, he got strikeouts in his rookie year, so I think he'll get more. But he just misses the, the barrels, and that will make you successful. All right, let's go to our second person on the list. Yeah, Kevin Gossman, 32 years old. Bats left, throws right. Six foot two, 205 pounds. So the opposite of Noah <laughs> in terms of what happens when the ball hits the bat. Kevin Gossman had the worst or the highest batting average on balls in play ever for a qualified pitcher. Not the highest in the league, the highest ever. I sorted it on fan graphs. The only people ahead of him are showing up with, with not as many innings because qualifying wasn't a thing. Guys like Happy Finnerin and Neck Stanley. <laughs> you know, Happy Finnerin from 1918. So yeah, he was just the most unlucky pitcher you could possibly imagine last year, which is why I think with his strikeouts and his walks and his ability to keep the ball in the ballpark, that Kevin Gaussman is going to post an absolutely fantastic season. So there was another way in which Kevin Gaussman was the opposite of Alec Manoa. He started the year with the most fantastic month I can recall seeing in terms of walks. He just decided he wasn't going to walk anybody in April. I Or you have a home run. Or give up a home run. Neither thing. <laughs> Which, 
probably for the best that every ball in play uh something bad happened on that he didn't do either of those things because it kept him in great shape he finished with a 7.32 strikeout to walk ratio which is beyond fantastic yeah that would Uh, lead the league in most years he was he was an ace and that just a punch of these guys at the top of the of the rotation just really creates a lot of breathing room for what comes after it yeah um well six seconds left i think we can uh we can move on to uh candidate number three chris bassett uh chris bassett is the new kid in town so to speak um signed over the off season uh out of oakland as new a that's right out of new york after having pitched in oakland for most of his career um and then uh ending up with the mets Bassett throws a lot of different things um, is his is his trademark, but he has had good results doing that over the course of his career. Last two seasons, he has had um, ERAs of 3.15 and 3.42. Um, I think the Blue Jays aren't expecting an ERA under three and a half, but would be we'd be thrilled with it. Uh, and he's also put up over 150 innings in both of those two years. So, um, people were expecting some kind of move in the off season for a top flight starter. I think Chris Bassett, because he's older and because he does not, you know, have that conventional, um, hard throwing ACE kind of, kind of look is just below that top tier of starter. If he can stay, uh, young, does that make sense? Sure, and the risk there that we talked about is that he isn't throwing any, throwing hard at all this spring. But I looked it up. He did the exact same thing last year in March. Topped out at 93 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden he's hitting 96 in the summer. So I'm actually less worried about that than I was. <clears throat> and despite being 34, he doesn't have as many innings under his belt because he had Tommy John in 2017, which took about cost him a year and a half. And then he's had fluke injuries. He's had two comebackers and COVID. So he's not injury prone, but he's not overworked, which could be actually interesting. As a 34-year-old pitcher, he might have a little more left in the tank than you might say. And he and he keeps the ball on the ground and keeps it in the yard and doesn't walk people again. So um, that's a really good combination in the AL East. Exactly. Uh, who's next? So next we have the guy who, well, Jose Barrios. Let's just put it that way. 30 years old. Six feet, 205 pounds. Um, I don't know what to make of Jose Brios. I don't think anybody who knows what to make of Jose Brios because he was the most consistent pitcher in baseball for the previous five years of his career. From 2017 to 2021, he had an ERA of 3.74 that never was below three and a half or below or, or Sorry, below four or above three and a half. Then last year was 5.23 with no change in stuff, no change in movement, velocity. And I'm sorry, he said he was 30, he's 28. But I just, I don't know what to make of him. I hope he's good, but it's really hard to predict. It's kind of like signing Mark Burley, right? I I think that was sort of the idea was, is he he ever going to light up uh, the scoreboard with any anything spectacular, no. But do you know exactly what you're getting? Oh yeah, absolutely. It, you're getting Jose Burrios every year. And then the first full year he was here, he was absolutely not that guy. Like he like some he swapped for somebody. Uh, that's got to be unnerving if you are the Blue Jays brass. Well, and, and the strikeout rates too, right? It, it, it was one thing if it was just, you know, he was getting crushed with batted balls like Gosman was. Then you could just be like, oh well, fluky thing. But he wasn't. He just started getting rocked and he wasn't missing bats. And, well, that's a little tough to dismiss for lack of, you know, just for lack of a better put. I mean, he never had a strikeout rate as a regular below 22%. And most of the years it was around 24, 25. And last year was 19.8. So they really have to hope he starts missing more bats again. Let's just hope he is uh, he is tip- tipping pitches or was tipping pitches. Um, because you get further, further down, you get the rotation. The worse the news gets, Yusei Kikuchi, who is 31 <laughs> years old, left, left. Um, 
six foot tall and apparently five pounds heavier than Jose Barrios. Though I'm looking at the two of them and I think one of them has not stepped on the scale in a while for that particular measurement. Kikuchi was infuriating. <laughs> like Jose Barrios, uh, when he had a good start, uh, the starts were uh, salvageable. When he had bad starts like opening day and a couple other times during the season, they were absolute tire fires. Um, Yusei Kikuchi could not find the strike zone uh, with any regularity in some of his starts with his fastball. I think is that what stood out the most to me over the course of last season was he trusted everything except his fastball. Um, but yet he continued to strike people out. He just also continued to walk people and get deep into counts and have all kinds of problems. Um, what a What a frustrating thing, both for him and for the fans to watch. So I don't know what happens next with Yusei Kikuchi. The pitch clock apparently is a positive factor for him if spring training is to be any judge. Yeah, and so the Jays brought him in thinking they could do with him when they did with Steven Matz. But the problem is they had no, no offseason to work with because there was a lockout. So they could they try to make adjustments in season, which is very hard. And he ended up having the worst walk rate of his career, the worst home run rate of his career, high strikeout rate <laughs> but they made some changes to his mechanics in the offseason so the hope is that at worst he can get back to at least the command that he had previously with different changes in his pitch mix and be more successful that way I, last year seems like an outlier but the, well, I'm curious to see how good he can actually be I actually predicted an ERA plus in triple digits which means he'll be better than average <laughs> I'm calling it alright uh, we'll move out of the rotation on that note all right, so we're going to move to the – we're going to go the opposite, again, from yeah. best to back of the bullpen to the – well, maybe they won't be here too long, guys. Jordan <laughs> Romano, the closer, 29 years old, right-handed, six foot five, 210 pounds. So Jordan Romano, it's funny to think of this is a guy that the Jays let go in the Rule 5 draft one year and then got sent back because he couldn't make the Texas Rangers. But he's turned into one of the better closers in baseball. Um He's throwing his fastball. He can get it up now into the 9,900 mile an hour range. He's got that wipeout slider. Last year, he was a little, his average exit velocity was among the worst in the league. He had a lot of hard contact, but he didn't do that the year before. And I, he's just nails. Like any guy you trust to just get you through a tough spot, it's Jordan Romano. He just seems to step up. And then I know that doesn't seem real, but it just felt that way all year. I think um, even post sticky stuff when when his slider got worse and then gradually got better again, um, I think his ability to double and triple up on that pitch, um, I mean, it reminds me of Trevor Hoffman, but um, to, to go after hitters in two different very aggressive ways is a lot of fun. Like he's just fun. Uh, and the fact that the Blue Jays gave him that massive intro when he is at uh, Sky Dome, um, like like a rock star, uh, I I want to see Jordan Romano on the mound with the game in the line. Whatever happened in the last game of the season, notwithstanding, I'm I'm 100 on board with him as the closer until you know until he proves that he absolutely can't do it. So it is great to have someone for the ninth inning. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then we'll go to Yimmy Garcia. Um, Yimmy Garcia, I have is thirty two years old now, uh, six foot one, two hundred and thirty pounds. Throws right, bats never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Unless something's really gone wrong. Yeah, I have always been pleasantly surprised by Yimmy Garcia. Like he he blows up every once in a while because you know he's not the closer. Um, and and <laughs> it, the, yeah, that, that's just what happens. He had a three ten ERA last year. Um, but he, he keeps people off the bases overall. Again, that go back to whip 1.049. He strikes out just a, a little, less, struck out last, a little less than, than, uh, a, a man per inning. Uh, he doesn't walk a ton of guys, doesn't give up a ton of home runs. So he is the guy I want in the late innings, you know, bef before the closer it, it's, it, he, get, he does what it says on the tin. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a very reliable late inning reliever. In by the way, in that last game that you referenced with Romano, Garcia was the only guy who didn't give up a run. The only reliever who managed to get through a clean inning. <laughs> give him the closing <laughs> job. <laughs> yeah. 
And Garcia, he was actually throwing harder than he normally does at the World Baseball Classic. So he has tremendous stuff with his he throws four pitches, which for a relief pitcher is not that common. And if he's throwing harder, then he could be in line for a really, really interesting season. And he like it's nice he's just one of the good arms at the back of the bullpen too. So if he doesn't, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Who is our next arm at the back of the bullpen? So this was the trade deadline acquisition who had one game ruin his reputation among the fans, Anthony Bass. He is a 35-year-old, six foot two, 205 right-hander. So he was part of the, the, the big trade that the Jays made at the deadline. The only one that fans were a little impressed with, I guess you could say, because they gave up Jordan Groshans, which was like, you know, a big deal to trade that guy. And then he came over to the Blue Jays and was just dynamite. 25 innings, 28 strikeouts, five runs. And he just decided to reinvent himself as a pitcher last year, throwing his slider 60% of the time, which he'd never done before. And that works. That is a, a, something that can be sustainable. Do I think he's going to be a 1.5 ERA reliever? No, but a reliable guy to get right-handed batters out in key spots, I would go to him every single time. Uh, he strikes out more people than, uh, than uh, what you call it, than Tim Mesa. He strikes out more people than, uh, obviously, Adam Simber. Strikes out more people than Yimmy Garcia. Uh, and, he allowed, and, Richards. And, yeah, and he allowed 6.7 hits per nine last year, in case you were wondering how effective that slider was. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And he's only $3 million because of the, he had the option. And the, he's another guy that if it goes wrong for some reason, because he is 35, well, okay, we'll go to the next guy. And it's just a bunch of really high-end relievers who they can replace if need be, which is nice. Um. Next up, we have Tim Meza. Um, Meza is left-handed, which uh, I think is important to note here because I only see one L in this whole bullpen, and it's not for loss. Uh, he's 31 years old, six foot three, 215 pounds. Obviously, you need a lefty in the bullpen, and Meza has been uh, that when he's not injured. He has been that for the Blue Jays um, for the past few seasons. Um, I don't know if he's fantastic, but situationally uh, he's required. He did he did have the eight and one record last year for what it's worth in the bullpen. Not much. <laughs> um, I don't know. Walk me through whether whether he was he was the same guy before and after uh, everything that happened to him this year. Well, yeah, he he came back. His stuff was. You know, he was basically the same guy. The problem with Meza is that he just got torched by right-handed batters. And, you know, he held lefties to a 502 OPS and righties was 818. I mean, it's not – they're not all turning into Mike Trout, but they're all turning into really good hitters. And that bit them a bit in the playoffs. So he's decided to try to change the speed of his slider this year so he could have a, a speed difference weapon against right-handed batters. We'll see how that works. Uh, but – as long as the Jays are creative with how they use him and when they use him, he can still be a really useful weapon. You know, like say two outs, left-handed batter coming up, doesn't have to necessarily face three batters. That would be really nice, right spot for him. Yeah, the left-handed, um, the left-handed only one-out guy. The death of that with the three three batter rule uh, under you know when you're coming in to start an inning. Yeah, yeah, it does does make things a little more difficult for a guy like Meza if he is if he is still struggling against righties. But not every righty is fantastic. So, like you said, how you use him is probably as important as uh, as how good he is uh, in those situations. Next, uh, who who's up? So we go further down into the bullpen to the newest acquisition, Eric Swanson, twenty nine year old righty. Six foot three, 225 pounds. So Swanson is an interesting guy because he had the best season of any of the Blue Jays relievers last year. You know, he, he, he was with Seattle. He 1.68 ERA, 70 strikeouts in 53 innings, 1.7 walks per nine, 0.5 home runs per nine, and they give up three home runs all year. He doesn't throw overly hard. He's 92, 93 miles an hour, but he has a diving splitter which he uses as his main strikeout pitch he's one of a few blue jays who does this kind of pitches in this way he's looked kind of bad this spring but 
it's spring training, so I don't really think that matters so much. But if he can do even just anything close to what he did last year, it's going to change the fortunes of this bullpen because unlike Meza, for example, his stuff plays really well to both righties and lefties. So if you have a situation where it's like righty, lefty, righty, you could go to Swanson and he can navigate all three of them and without the walk problems that you're going to get from the other guy who has that platoon power. So, yeah, I like it. I, I think he could be a really nice weapon. I'm, I don't know what to expect exactly, but I'm still happy he's here. I think the thing with Swanson that fans got up in arms about was, well, you traded for a guy and he's not a hard-throwing reliever. Kind of missing the fact that it's it's more the result that you're looking for is is swings and misses and strikeouts. And as far as last year's results are concerned, that's exactly what Swanson provided. Like you said, he struck out more than anybody. Um, so if you do have a strikeout guy in Swanson, it solves one of the big problems that the 2022 Blue Jays bullpen had short of Jordan mm -hmm. Romano and the home run prone Trevor Richards. So I'm looking forward to seeing if he really is the bat misser that uh, he is purported to be. Speaking of Adam Simber, I think I just mentioned him. He is now 32 years old, six foot three, 195 pounds, throws right. I mean, he throws weird if you want to get right down to it. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't throw right, he throws weird. <laughs> um, that has been a tremendous asset. Um, it's not that he can't strike people out, uh, but he, he does not walk people. Um, he most often, if you need a ground ball, preferably a soft one, um, Tim Mesa, or sorry, not Tim Mesa, Adam Simber, I'm reading the wrong name on the screen. Adam Simber <laughs> is your guy. Uh, he has this wacky Submariner-esque delivery, um, and it really messes with guys who have never seen it before. Uh, even guys who have seen it before don't tend to do too too great with it um so i think he has been probably since since he arrived in toronto from the season before one of the most consistent relievers in terms of what you can expect each time he gets to the mound and i think a manager even if a guy's not perfect a manager appreciates a guy where he knows what kind of thing he's going to get and how often they're going to get it he led the league in appearances last year and he had 72 the year before that 68 in 2019 70 as a rookie in 2018 he can just take the ball almost every other day and he throws strikes, tons of strikes. He's not, he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, but guys like that, that's not what you're asking for. You just want him to come in and get a ground ball or two and get you out of there. And surprisingly, you were talking about wins from pitchers. He had 10 relievers. He had 10. <laughs> he was surprisingly effective against lefties last year, which was very interesting because he, that had not been a success for him in the past. But last year, he kept held lefties to a 644 OPS. So if gains like that are sticky, he's extremely valuable. But I think that it's hard to expect something like that to repeat. But even if it doesn't, he's still a really, really useful guy in the middle innings. Yeah, 100%. Especially since we're talking about him in the middle innings. Uh, our next middle inning guy is... The surprising addition to this group, Zach Pop. 26 years old, righty, 6'4", 220. Not surprising in terms of what he brings to the table because Zach Pop, by talent, is one of the Blue Jays' seven best relief pitchers. Just given that he has options, the expectation was that it probably wouldn't be him. But here he is. Uh, he came over again with, with Anthony Bass in that Marlins trade, and he does throw hard, really, really hard. Averages 97 miles an hour with his fastball, sinker. And he was great after he came over to Toronto. He, he uh, 1.89 ERA, 19 innings pitched. Not a lot of strikeouts, and that was his issue in Miami too. But they're having him throw more sliders in spring training, and he's got nine strikeouts in six innings. And that's kind of the thing that people thought was the the secret to unlocking Zach Pop. And it's if they can do that, and he can take that leap, it's talent-wise, he has the stuff to jump ahead of everybody except Romano in this bullpen. Uh, and interestingly, he is younger than everybody except Romano in this bullpen. Oh, sorry, not Romano. Then, uh, then anybody in the bullpen. He's only older than Alec Manoa in the entire pitching staff. So he also maybe hasn't quite figured it out because he's only 26. Uh, that wouldn't be out of out of line with sometimes pitchers develop a, their you know their thing a little bit later. Evidence: Anthony Bass, who was playing on the same team as Pop when they came over. Um. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to uh, to see if he does develop because if if Swanson steps, you know, takes a step back and 
Pop takes a step up, you're, it's kind of a wash. You, you've got a lot of guys in this bullpen who might be very, very good and not a lot who you, you might lose faith in. Yeah. Now I'm going to talk about the guy you might not have faith in. Trevor Richards, <laughs> <laughs> 29 years old, six foot two, right, throws right, bats right, uh, 205 pounds. You can't spell HR without <laughs> home run without <laughs> HR, which is right there in his name. Um, there were overall, he struck out a ton of people. Uh, overall, I keep saying, um, you know, he he. He was victimized by a few lousy outings. But, man, did those lousy outings feel like they came at the worst possible times. Oh, and part of the problem with Trevor Richards, in addition to just getting rocked occasionally, is that he just walked so many batters. He's, he has, he's one of the best, the best strikeout reliever on the Blue Jays. 82 strikeouts in 64 innings pitch, which is excellent. But he had 35 walks in 64 innings. And that's just not something that you can do and be successful with his you can get away with walking people like that if you have James Karinchak level stuff where it's just the only way people are getting on is either walk or you're hitting them and that's not the case with Richards walk walk home run kills you so the hope is that he can return to the level of the walk rates he had in 2021 which were you know 8.8% versus 12.5% and the 12.5% was a career outlier so maybe he can be a little better he walked more people than kevin gaussman in 174 innings he walked more people than ross stripling in 134 innings <laughs> yeah so now his previous <laughs> career high walk rate was 9.9 percent as a rookie and last year was 12 and a half percent so some positive regression there could at least make him serviceable because last year he just mostly wasn't but we could definitely see why we're, we put him at the bottom of that that depth chart uh and we will, we will leave him at the bottom of the depth chart as we move on to the catching situation. And I chose this order so I could talk about Danny Jansen, twenty-seven-year-old, <laughs> <laughs> six foot two, two hundred and fifteen pounds. So Danny Jansen came up known as an offensive catcher who struggled a bit defensively, and then for his first couple of years in the major leagues. He was known as a defensive catcher who couldn't hit. <laughs> and then he went on the injured list in 2021. 20, and since then, since coming back from that, he has been arguably the best hitter in baseball when healthy. <laughs> it's a little weird, Josh. Like, don't tell me it's not a little weird. Oh, it's it's a lot weird. But there's the, the nice thing about something like that. Again, I'm not I'm not in any way suggesting that Danny Jansen is turned into the best hitter in baseball because he hasn't, but he has learned to that, that his strength as an offensive player is to just try to pull everything and use his power. And so far that's working for him. It, it turned him into a slugging catcher. I mean, in this time frame that I'm talking about, he's got a 918 OPS. Yeah, which, I mean, Teoscar Hernandez, power-hitting outfielder, was happy to have a 918 OPS. Yeah, This guy also catches. <laughs> yeah, and so he's he's the noted game caller. His, his receiving is... He's changed his stances here to receive some low strikes better, which could be interesting, because that was his biggest weakness as a defender. So if he can take that step forward, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm really happy that he's still around. Yeah, uh, because the Blue Jays traded had to trade one of the three catchers, kind of, um, it made sense to trade one of their three catchers. Their other catcher that they, they got rid of, Gabriel Moreno, they kept Alejandro Kirk, who is only 24 years old, throws right, bats right, is five foot eight inches tall if he stands on his tippy toes and weighs 245 pounds. Um, so speaking of the defense, I guess we'll start with the defense because the, the offense is more interesting in a way. Um, surprisingly, Alejandro Kirk is really good at framing pitches, especially low strikes, which... I don't think anybody expected when he was called up, um, but it is a great skill to have until we get robot umpires. Um, well, yeah, and but the more surprising thing for people who don't hadn't really studied much of this stuff, he's one of the best blockers in the game. 
no, no jokes here. No, <laughs> I will not make a joke about his stature. Um, yeah, so he gets that part of things done. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, he he is the Blue Jays' preferred DH. Uh, or at least he was until Brandon Belt came along. Um, in 2022, he had a higher OPS than any of the other bench players save Otto Lopez. Um, who had nine played appearances. Yeah, exactly. Which is just, just an outlier. So literally the best hitter on the team is your backup as, as a, you know, as a backup is your backup catcher, which also is kind of crazy. Well, and here's the thing. Mike Petriello put out a stat that was, it was hard hits per swing. And he ranked number one in baseball last year. Number one. Yep. This is a catcher. He, he had, <laughs> he doesn't hit a lot of barrels, but he hits the ball hard and he makes a ton of contact and he walks a ton. He's just a tremendous hitting catcher. And hopefully adding belt will help him stay fresh down because he faded hard at the end of the season. So it'll let him stay fresh throughout the season and just be the tremendous hitter that the Jays need. All right, you said Brandon Belt, so I'm going to let you continue to talk about Brandon Belt. Okay, the elder statement, statesman of the offense, well, one of them, 34 years old, bats and throws left, six foot three, 230-pound first baseman. Brandon Belt was brought in, when we talked about a guy that we wanted, or I wanted, because it allows them to actually have a proper first baseman when Vlad needs a day off at DH. For the last couple of years, it was Lourdes Gurriel and Kevin Biggio, and the offensive hit was just too much to be acceptable. Brandon Belt has been made a career of being a well-above-average hitter. Last year, he was terrible because he was injured. But for the rest of his career, we're talking about a guy who has a 358 on base percentage and a 125 OPS+. Plus. And then the two most previous years, he had a slugging of 595. So... At minimum, he should be a guy who makes good contact, hits a few homers, and takes a ton of walks, and bats from the left side. I just can't think of anything that Jason needed more than something like this. I think this is another one of those where, at the beginning of the offseason, there was a hue and cry about all the things the Blue Jays had, you know, hadn't done and all the people they'd missed out on. Uh, but when you look at as far as filling a need goes, Brandon Belt is an option that makes a whole ton of sense for this team without breaking the bank or getting them invested in a, a complicated multi-year contract. Yeah. I mean, I tend not to put any stock in people complaining in the middle of the off season. I don't think it's worth the repeating because yeah, well, they're all listening to us, <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's not, it's just not rational. You know, it's like, wait till it's done. Like the Orioles fans can complain because they got no one of any mm -hmm. consequence, but the Jays got some guys late, which is fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then that moves us on to the next of the Bs. Got a few Bs. Bobachet. Bobachet is 25 years old. Um, uh, throws right, bats right. Uh, six foot tall and 190 pounds. Bichette is shortstop um, because he can play the position, not because he's great at it. But he's there for his bat, which was really strange last year because he spent five months looking for his stroke and his his approach and then spent the last what five weeks absolutely setting the world on fire so did his final numbers look perfectly respectable 293 33 469 with an 802 ps as a shortstop no problem nothing to see here how do we reconcile the long struggle with the ultimate success that he had you know with the team down the stretch i, I don't put a lot of stock into I usually just the season long numbers matter more to me than how they got there he had another good month in May or something like that but in June in the end he ended up with Bo Bichette numbers and he's 25 now and he did make a change though in September where he started taking different types of pitches that he wasn't before and he's carried that over into spring where he's just torn the cover off the ball in spring training I think we could be seeing the breakout year for Bobachet offensively. The defensive questions still exist. But if they don't, what he's done every year of his career is still a superstar. So <laughs> he's a superstar. Yeah, I mean, he, he's an he's an everyday player who absolutely deserves to play 
every day because he um, he gets the job done every day. So a, a lot of teams struggle to find that guy at shortstop, right? They, they're they're making um, they're making much bigger concessions than the Blue Jays are playing with Bobichet defensively um, uh, than than that, uh, and not getting the kind of results that the Jays get. So huzzah! Um, third B, I believe, is is for you. Yeah, we did these ones alphabetically, not by any role. Kevin Biggio. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all that enthusiasm. Just <laughs> but look, Kevin Biggio has his value. He's very versatile. He'll, he'll play first. He'll play second. He'll play left. He'll play right. He can play third in a pinch, though, given the rest of the roster, I would be shocked if he got a single inning there. And he has some value as an offensive player. He takes walks, a ton of them. He'll never lose that skill. And last year against right-handed pitching, he was at least essentially league average, maybe a little below. But as his role, he's the 25th man in the in the roster, maybe 24th. Or if we're talking about position players, the 11th or 12th. And his job is to just fill in when needed. So a guy like that who can give you close to league average performance from the bat and play a bunch of positions is still valuable. And obviously because we've seen it, there is upside for more. So he's not a great player, but he's good enough. <laughs> uh, interesting side note. How bouncy is the ball supposed to be this year? According not to very, if... no. Yeah. Okay. Well then that's a problem for Kevin. <laughs> if they ever bring the bouncy ball back, Kevin Biggio is is back to more than a how do we he's back to how do we find time for this guy because the kind of the kind of swing he has and the kind of fly balls he hits seem to be much more suited to going out of the ballpark when it's when it's just a little springier when the when the, the drag is a little lower. Yeah. Now the ground balls he does hit some of them may go for more hits this year because of the shift restrictions, but I don't think it's going to make a huge difference for someone who hits the ball in the air as often as he does. Yeah, we're not expecting a miracle out of Kevin Biggio, and that's okay. Matt Chapman, uh, 29 years old, throws right, bats right, uh, six feet tall, and 215 pounds. Chapman was brought in on his defensive reputation, um, which I know the metrics don't like him, but every time I watch the guy do something at third base, I'm in love. You mean didn't like him last year because they've loved yeah, him didn't for like the rest him. of his career. Yeah, before that, they, lo- they loved him. So I don't know what he, what was different about him last year, but I didn't see anything different. I saw some very fancy things. I saw some extremely reliable things. Um, didn't have uh, his MVP caliber uh, season in with the bat, but when you look at it on the overall, with above average defense, 27 doubles, 27 home runs, his average wasn't great, but he... At a 757 OPS, 115 OPS plus. What am I complaining about from the everyday third baseman? Nothing. I'm not complaining about anything, which is why nobody, after two seasons of what are the Blue Jays going to do at third, all of a sudden there was no discussion of that anymore. And there's upside for more. If you look at what he did over the last four months of the season, I, again, I prefer the full season stats, but last year is a little different from the start for veterans because they had no spring training, really. And he was traded in the middle of spring training to the Blue Jays. He had an 807 OPS from the last four months of the season. And even if he just does what he did last year and returns to his normal defensive metrics, you're looking at a four or five win player by war. He's a star player who is a flawed player, but what he gives you is just so valuable because of, you know, stabilizing that left side of the infield. And especially with pitchers like Chris Bassett who's a yeah. heavy ground ball guy. Use Jose Brios, he gives a lot of ground balls. Alec Manoa gives a lot of ground balls. Having a defensive stalwart at third is a big help. Yeah. Um, now, apparently this alphabetical thing's not working out for you great because you get the next guy. Yeah, I get the bench players. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's uh, Santiago Espinal, the 28-year-old middle infielder we'll call him uh because he's equally adept or just infielder yeah. uh throws right bats right 510 185 pounds it's it's a, i mean espinal had a he made the all-star team last year so he's not you know we can't just dismiss this guy and he's the only one on the roster who's capable of playing shortstop other than boba and on the season he had an ops plus of 99 so he was essentially a league average hitter with plus defense pretty useful it was also the tale of two halves. He was great in the first half, terrible in the second. 
but he hit well the year before. He doesn't strike out a lot, puts the ball in play. That's a really useful guy to have on the bench who you don't, it's not like Bradley Zimmer going in for defense, right? You put Espinal in there. He's not going to kill you at the plate and he might help you and he will help you in the field. Yeah. I mean, not every guy can be a star. Rosters don't work that way. There's not that much talent in the league, right? Like some guys are going to be um, around average and you're not trying to get Espinal 600 plate appearances this season. You're trying to make sure that he's there when when required to spell guys who are uh, injured short term or uh, feeling under the weather or, you know, need a day off their feet. I think he should be able to fill in admirably as he has in the past few seasons. So I'm I'm still glad he's on the team. Um, he and he certainly... might steal the starting job. <laughs> yeah, um, he's he's certainly better than Biggio in in uh, in a lot of ways uh, in in a lot of situations. As as we found out last year, last over the last two years, they, those two can trade back and forth a whole lot because of how things tend to line up. Oh look, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Do you want to get me some stats on this kid? I, he's young. He's 24. Um, throws right. <laughs> he just turned 24 like a week ago. Uh, bats right. Six foot two, 245 pounds. Um, I have not heard much about Guerrero Jr. this spring. I mean, last season was a down year for, for Jr. With his 132 OPS plus, his 32 home runs and 35 doubles. Um I think that there is a better version of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I don't know if he's the two years ago guy every year, but I think there is a better, more disciplined Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I think maybe with some of the the uh, situations that they're going to find themselves in this year, he might come back to that. Um, because that was what he was known for in the minors, was his ability to be extremely disciplined, hit for an extremely high average, get on base a whole lot. And we saw a guy with an on-base percentage of three thirty-nine last year, which is not spectacular by any measure. So I am curious to see if he gets back to that more than anything else. He'll be absolutely the, the everyday first baseman. I don't I don't see any any change in any of that. And he's talked about that too, how he was just essentially trying to do too much last year. And you can see why at times Bichette wasn't hitting, Springer wasn't as good or hurt. He might have just felt like he had to carry too much of the load. And hopefully that won't be the case this year. But even even if he doesn't, he was still an OPS plus of 132. I mean, as a 23-year-old. So he's one of the best hitters in the game, best young hitters in the game. And We've already seen how good he can be. There's not much to say. Oh, yeah, he turned himself into a gold glove first baseman. <laughs> All right, small. Just a, just a side job. It's a little little, uh, little side hustle he picked up was being excellent in the field. Uh, and our last infielder slash outfielder. Yeah, so I get all the second base eligible guys. <laughs> <laughs> we have Whit Merrifield, 34, bats right, throws right, six foot one, 195 pounds. Second base slash outfield is really what Merrifield should be referred to as because that's going to be his role with this team. Merrifield is probably the starting second baseman and the fourth outfielder. That's not what I think his role is going to be because some of the outfielders will need days off for injury or per platoon, and Merrifield can comfortably play left field. Maybe right if you need it, and they don't need him to play center. His track record is great. You know, he's always been a slightly better or around league average bat with tremendous speed and good defense at second base. It, last year he was terrible with the Royals and he came over to the Jays and he hit 281 with a 323 on base and an outlier 446 slugging uh, for, for recent years, I, I should say, but he doesn't even need to do that. If he's just the 2021 version with a 95 OPS plus and 40 steals and good defense, that's perfect for that eight spot in this lineup. I suppose the hilarious part is that in those 130 plate appearances, he stole exactly one base after arriving with the Blue Jays. And was caught twice. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that went, but I don't think he slowed down. I just can't believe he's 34. I guess that's the part that my my brain can't wrap around. Um, I feel I feel like we were I when we played the Royals just a couple years ago, he was their their bright young star, and now you know he's one of the oldest players on this team. But other than that, I hope he plays, uh, you know, I hope he plays a decent second base and, and fills in admirably in the outfield. But I'm not, again, another guy I don't, I'm not worried about getting 600 plate appearances out of. Yeah, and he's 
always healthy. I mean, he, this is a guy who's almost never been hurt in his career. Minor injury last year. No, actually, not even. He just it was just like a couple days off that he needed, and he was a platoonish player in Toronto. But again, well, another, the, the second base players they have this group of guys that can play. All right, time's up on him. We're going to move to the guy who does get injured all the time, Kevin Kiermeyer. <laughs> nice intro. <laughs> Thirty-two years old, bats left, throws right. Six foot one, two hundred and ten pounds. Kevin Kiermeyer is the everyday center fielder. Well, no, he's the most of the time center fielder if healthy because um, he is a perennial gold lover and George Springer is is not an above average center fielder. And then there's Dar Dar Dalton Varsho in the mix now. So Kiermeyer is not here for his bat. I think he's one of the, the really one of the guys who you would absolutely say is not here for his bat. Um, but he is here to play gold glove level center field in line with trying to put an outfield that is so competent at tracking down fly balls that the very strange new dimensions of the Rogers are not going to affect people. Yeah. I mean, the Jays had a big problem in their outfield last year. The corner defense was awful and we'll get to the other move they made, but when they assigned Kiermaier, they upgraded center field and right field because Springer moved over to a place where he's a plus outfielder as opposed to just a, you know, slightly around average guy. And, you know, Kiermaier is not useless with the bat either. I mean, he's had some pretty awful seasons, but he's also had some one where he's about average or around average. And again, if he's playing generational center field defense, which he has done for his entire career, he will be incredibly helpful when healthy. And despite being a left-handed batter, he actually doesn't have crazy platoon issues. He's just not great against either side. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily a good thing. Tell no. me about our next outfielder. Yeah. So the next guy is the guy we just talked about who moved to right field, George Springer, 33 years old, bats right, throws right, six foot three, 220 pounds. Springer had a weird season last year because obviously he had the injury to his elbow that sapped his throwing and forced him to DH a whole bunch. His power kind of went away a little bit. If you looked at his previous few seasons, um, starting basically, you know, going back to 2019 with the, with that season with the Astros, where he had 39 home runs. This was a guy who was had turned into one of the premier power hitters in baseball, averaging 48 home runs per every 162 games played. He didn't do that last year. He only hit 25 and 133. But I think that moving him to right will keep him healthier. And he still takes walks. He stole 14 bases, hits for power, and he plays good defense in right. So he's a, it's so cool that he's a Blue Jay. Now, for what it's worth, he did have a 131 OPS plus. He still had a 472 slugging last year. So the number of home runs was lower. But the, the depressed offensive environment may have had an effect on George Springer like it did on most of the rest of the Blue Jays lineup. Nobody right, but it, it affected him more than you would think, given his raw power and just given the league. It affected him to a greater degree than it should have. Sorry, one guy slugged 500. Danny Jason. <laughs> weird. It's too weird. Um, yeah, I, I hope. Uh, yeah, I hope that his power is it returns up to the level. He is getting older. So far, even though he's been injured, I say he's absolutely been absolutely been worth the contract that the Blue Jays have handed up to him three years ago oh, yeah. now. This will be his third season with the Jays, yeah. Right. Uh, taking us to Dalton Varsho. Dalton Varsho is, I think, is the Blue Jays' offseason in a nutshell. Um, He's the big they, move. They wanted to get better defensively. Dalton Varsho is a, an improvement defensively. They wanted to maybe move out uh, uh, some of the players who were um, – of a of a certain age or or had you know we're getting to the point where they were going to be more expensive or more trouble to retain Dalton Varsho um was traded for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. um and, and Gabriel Moreno and Gabriel Moreno um so again that was that was about you can't retain three catchers um so we will it remains to be seen whether in the long run Gabriel Moreno is a generational talent but in the meantime, Dalton Varsho, who is 26, uh, bats left, throws right, five foot ten and, and 207 pounds. Only guy who's not on this. But anyway, um, <laughs> no round numbers for you, sir. Um, is for all intents and purposes a 
very, very good left fielder and a perfectly capable center fielder, as well as a power hitter. Um, that's quite the combination to pick up over over the offseason. And it's not even that he was a perfectly capable center fielder. He was a star defensive center fielder last year in Arizona and right field. He was just not a great catcher. Well, he's not doing that anymore. He's the center fielder of the future. Kiermaier's here for one year, and then he's going to take over next year. And when Kiermaier has to sit against a left-handed pitcher, Varchel's going to play center field. He's going to get a lot of defensive value for the Blue Jays, and there's upside in the bat. He hit for good averages in the minors, and he hit for good averages in the second half of the last couple of years. If he can do that, this is what they're betting on, that he's going to become a star player because they gave up star player package for him by giving up Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel. Yeah, uh, so the Blue Jays said no catching at all or just emergency catching? Uh, um, I think he's not going to catch unless it is literally an emergency. They are out of catchers both in the same game. I don't think they want him catching for two or three games in a row at any point. Which is fair. Uh, All right, we are down. 51 minutes and 26 seconds into the podcast. We are down to the 26th and uh, 25th and a half man. I had 26 and a half man. Otto Lopez and Nathan Lucas. We, we should probably combine these two guys. Otto Lopez is 24, throws right, bats right, 5'10, 185 pounds. Nathan Lucas is 28, throws uh, bats left instead, 5'11, 180 pounds. Um, we talked about this on the podcast last week this last slot is probably Lopez's to lose at this point, right? I think so. He's got the right-handed bat. He can play the infield. He's faster. Not a lot, but he is. I I just think that just makes more sense with this roster. But we shouldn't minimize what Lucas did in the minors the last couple years. He gets on base, hits for a good average, and he can play center. So he might factor in at some point, but I think it's Lopez. Doesn't strike out ever. And, you know, that's just a useful last man on the roster, pinch runner, pinch hitter, whatever. Yeah. So when we're wrong, you can write us angry letters at uh, artificialturfwars at gmail. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's it. That is the entire roster. Uh, Notwithstanding that last battle for utility spot, it it was interesting. I think last year we had to debate between a bullpen spot and... A, uh, a utility spot a little simpler this year um all right i'm gonna i'm gonna make you predict number of wins for the blue jays this season oh okay this is i'm putting me on the spot yeah i'll put myself on the spot too yeah but you were ready for it that doesn't no count. i just decided to do that about 15 seconds ago so <laughs> listen to his lies people <laughs> <laughs> i will say the jays will win 94 games this year all right, I will say 93, and we don't have to play prices right rules. Um, <laughs> so they go over, you win. <laughs> well, yeah. If Wait, we play, yeah. either we way, are playing prices right rules. Whether we played prices rules or not, <laughs> yeah. the winners would be the same and closest. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, so I have been Greg Wisniewski at Greg Wisniewski, and you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars. 26 and 52, episode number 262, and we'll talk at you next week.